I do apologize for the episodes being too long. We have thought of something to remedy it. This is the blueprint. Continue. Corner store to buy a. Assalamu alaikum, baby. Peace to the God. We're talking about Friday. How did... What's going on? Uh, bro, uh, I won't complain. What about yourself? Uh, ain't no sense in complaining because ain't nobody listening. <laughs> <laughs> we got um some interesting news. First, let me say um to the Muslims of um talking about what what's this uh, nation of Islam? Happy Savior's Day to you. Um, it is February 26, 2021. Uh, so this would be their Savior's Day, the day that, um, the birthday of, uh, Master Farad Muhammad. Um, secondly, uh, the news is a buzz, brother, of, um, some interesting um, information about um, the assassination of Malcolm X that is being driven by the family, the Shabazz family, that there was some culpability with the New York um, Police Department and the FBI implicated by a deathbed confession of one of one of its former police officers. Um, there's no validity to the letter yet, but it is out in the universe. Mm-hmm. And that is where we are. Yeah, I, I, um, I just don't know how much that is news. Um, it may be news to people that are uninformed, but I don't think it's news to people that have um, been followers of the case or who have some insight and, um, or some type of background information. I don't know um, if if that's new news um, as relates to that. But uh, I think uh, there's so much that goes on with Brother Malcolm that at this point starts to puzzle me um, or disturb me, or maybe both. Um, And I say that because I feel like people are, um, people are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, People are starting to profit off of um, his life and his death. Hmm. And so, it, it just becomes this opportun, opportun, opportunity to make some type of profit off of talking about Malcolm's death and his life. Um, and it comes um, to me at, you know, on the whims of people who are misinformed. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't feel any way as it relates to his family because I feel like they have 
um, they have the right to um, explore every opportunity of, of his life and, and, and of his death. But I feel like all these other people that are now coming along and are now, um, what's the word my kids use? Um, see, back in my day, we used to call it bandwagon. Hmm. Um, I forget the word that my kids use. Uh, hopper. I think that's the word they use, hopper. <laughs> you know, you're like a hopper owner. So you, you, you just hop on the, 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 the to an opportunity. Clout chasing. And so clout, <laughs> and clout chasing is another one. So um, um, I'm I don't know I, I think I'm just careful about um, you know all the stories I'm hearing about Malcolm now and why these stories are coming out and for what benefit you know I think it, I think that um, the the minister said along uh, years ago you know e- easy to name streets after. You know our our um, heroes after they're gone and passed, right? Yes, but sir. but harder to live the lifestyle hmm. of of those people that you want to name the streets after. Hmm. So all so, and and this isn't in reference to his his daughters and or, or um, direct family members, but. For people outside of that realm, to me, um, I challenge those people that are outside of the family to look at their lifestyles and see how much sacrifice they have made for the people that they are now talking about. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to talk about being a fan of Martin Luther King or being a fan of Malcolm X, how much of your life resembles the sacrifice and struggle that they committed to their life. And if all you want to talk about to me is what Malcolm did or how Malcolm died or who killed Malcolm or who killed Martin, but you live your life in a hypocritical way in the way that they they live their life, then it's hard for me to give credence to anything that you want to say about either one of them. Hmm. Indeed, brother. Indeed. Um, it is three thirty-one eight no three twelve AM. Um this is the F in Universe. One hour of black power thinking and uh we are live on the air. We have a um telephone call in number and um, I haven't given it up. <laughs> um, there's a possibility to go live on um, what's this Instagram? I didn't even feel up to that today. Um, what else is going on, brother? I am open. We can go wherever you want to go. Yeah, it's um, Erica Badu's birthday. Happy birthday, soul sister number one. Uh, something else I had to talk about. 
I can't remember now. Oh, this is the end of Black History Month. Sunday will be the last day of um, Black History Month, February 28th. I I, I disagree with that. Uh, We are are not going to fall into... um, uh, we're not going to fall into the United Snakes of America's uh, definition. That's right, Muhammad. <laughs> <laughs> of Black History Month. We, yes, we, sir. We will acknowledge, you know, February uh, for what they want to do with Black History Month, but we will not stop Black History Month in February. Every yes, 365 days will be Black History Month in the in the effing universe. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> if we ain't teaching each other something every day. Absolutely. We are in trouble. That's right. <laughs> you will not reduce Black people to, to 28 days or 29 <laughs> days if it's a leap year. We will not. Hmm. We will not succumb to that foolishness. <laughs> and speaking of leap years, this is not one of them. So we're going, um, we have a $1,400 um, stimulus check about to be approved by both House and uh, Senate. And it's going to make this President Biden look like our savior has arrived, brother. Well, I will say this, bro. <laughs> if fourteen hundred dollars is your savior, then that says a lot about where we, <laughs> where you might be in in life. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, uh, uh, I, 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 I mean. Even the people that got six hundred dollars um, <laughs> that were happy, I'm, and I'm not look. I don't care if you get an extra dollar; that's fine. <laughs> but I'm just saying, if, if fourteen hundred dollars is the in all the be all, uh, bro, that is scary. Fourteen ninety two to be exact, brother. <laughs> okay, uh, well, whatever that ninety two cents additional will get you, bro. Right around the time of Columbus. We're getting all of that money back as we speak. And you know what's you know what's really sad about that to me? <laughs> is is they're giving you that money to stimulate the economy. Hmm. So so what's gonna happen is you're actually gonna give that money back <laughs> within the first 30 days. To every liquor and chicken store and every Greasy pastor that calls on your name, or every shoe store, or every clothing <laughs> store, every that, Fendi Gucci. <laughs> well, you're not getting, you're not gonna buy Fendi and Gucci for fourteen hundred dollars, so you're not they're not going to benefit from that. <laughs> uh, but Nike will, and every shoe store will, mm. and they and will take your money. Yeah, and and that's the that is the sad part about it because you get a Gucci scarf. <laughs> well, well, well. So, so, so. Here, here's the thing, right? Or here's the thing to me. 
Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's only catered. Like who's really having a fourteen hundred dollar conversation? <laughs> right? Or who's really having a six hundred dollar conversation? <laughs> right? That only speaks to a particular group. You know, <laughs> a, a particular. Don't have. Right. It's only speaking to a certain group of people because if you make X amount of dollars, this doesn't even apply to you. Right. So if you make, I think if you make over $80,000 a year, which $80,000 a year ain't really no money. But if you, you know, if you're making 80 plus, I think, then you're not even getting a stimulus check at all. So you got to be making, I think, under $80,000 a year. So if you make it under $80,000 a year, they're going to give you $1,400. Hmm. $1,400 is going to, I mean, I'm not well, I'm not going to get into any <laughs> personal things, but I'm just saying, I, I, I don't know how $1,400, $1,400, I don't even know how many people's rent that will pay for one hmm. month. It ain't going to pay nobody's rent. Not in New York City. Not in Washington, D.C. Hmm. Um, ironically, about 85% of this United States population fall in the category to be happy for $1,400. The um, way the economy is set up, happiness comes in $1,400 or less. Unfortunately. And this is the way we want it. Um, uh, Noam Chomsky said this is manufactured consent. We want it this way. I don't know who the we um, you're describing. Or the The, we that he's 85% that are happy for that 1400. Um, the needs of the um, few are guaranteed by the ignorance of the many. Okay, so I mean, it, it, it make me it makes me want to get into the lessons <laughs> if you want to use that terminology, the eighty five percent, because that would mean that eighty five percent of the population is deaf, dumb, and blind. Hmm. Easily be led in the wrong direction, hard to be led in the right direction. Hmm. Don't know who the true and living God is. Hmm. And this, my friends, in the listening audience, is a dark American comedy. It's funny, it's laughable, but it's also the reality. And we are at the 15 minute mark. And we are just cruising the stars, brother. Um, hmm. Anything that you wanted to um, mention? No, bro. Just um, just thinking about what you were just what we were just talking about in terms of mm. <clears throat> um the disparities in terms of where we are as a people in this country um, and being happy with $1,400. Um, uh, a one-time stimulus check of $1,400 and 
how that would boost the economy. It just says a lot about how we repeat dysfunctional behaviors. Um, one, you know, I don't know that $1,400 can do a lot for a lot of people, but the fact that you would get $1,400 and spend it within the first 30 days or 10 days of, of receiving it, receiving it says a lot about if that is the case where 85% of the population is. So it speaks volumes to, you know, what we talk about uh, uh, in the Supreme Wisdom Lessons in terms of the 85%, the 10%, and the 5%. Surely the 5% is not even going to enter, entertain $1,400. Um, probably spend that in gas, you know, in, in, 30, in 30 days. Uh, you know, um, 10%, you probably spend that at, at dinner um, within the uh, first 10 days. Hmm. Um, but it, it, it says a lot about where we are as a country and where we are as a people, um, just in terms of economics and, and what we know, what we don't know. And, uh, you know, predictability where we will be in the future um, if that is the mind state that we have. Um, and, and if you and I are constantly having a conversation, we're talking about um, you know, what might be best in terms of black power thinking, I don't know um, where $1,400 um, I don't know where that seeks in or benefits the community as a whole. I don't I, I, I don't I don't know what needs to be said or what needs not to be said in terms of um how we need to view or receive that type of um economic uh mentality. Indeed. And I'm not telling anybody to turn that turn any money down but i am saying there's a responsibility you have a responsibility for everything that comes into your life so um and and i know you and i you know we go in left fields about voting but um you know if if you have voted or have not voted and this is the person that you have voted for um i i Again, I think there's a level of accountability for more than just fourteen hundred dollars. Mm. You know, I think that that um, the impact that we want to have on the black community um, in terms of voting, in terms of the way that I see it, is I believe that voting should be something that's consistent, and I think um, economic empowerment is something that should be consistent. Mm -hmm. And I think that they go hand in hand. So I think that you have to hold the people that you vote for. I think that you have to hold them accountable for economic empowerment. So um, I know we're about to come to an end and we can come back to this. But one of the things that um, I told you I was watching this show called um, uh, Loving, Loving Hip Hop Un Uncensored. Yes, sir. And in watching that, there was uh, something that I saw, the, the brother from Detroit, um, I think his name is Trick Trick. Um, and one thing that Trick Trick did was he said he, he created this thing called a no-fly zone. So that meant 
that you could not come into Detroit without checking in. And some people was upset about that because they saw it as kind of like a mafia style or um, an embezzlement or whatever. But <clears throat> basically what the brother was saying was, look, you are not going to come here and promote your artists. <laughs> You're not going to come here and take money from this community and not divest in this community. Hmm. He said, if, 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 if there's no artists from, D, from Detroit and you all aren't promoting artists from Detroit and you all aren't coming here to invest in artists from Detroit. So you, won't, you will not bring an artist here in Detroit to make money if you're not going to invest or divest in this community. So we have a no-fly zone. So we will meet you at the airport to ensure that if you bring an artist to, to Detroit, we will make sure that that artist does not perform. There's a no-fly zone here, buddy. Wow. And I'm telling you, I respected that. <laughs> now, we can come back and talk about the streets and what the streets mean. Mm -hmm. We come back and, and elaborate on how he handled that. We can do all that. Mm -hmm. But um, but just going back to economic empowerment as it relates to, to um, voting or economic empowerment as it relates, as it relates to the effing universe. Mm -hmm. Indeed. We shall come back and talk about it. We are at the 21-minute mark in the effing universe. One hour of Black Power thinking. We have two more segments to go. We hope that you will join us. Uh, we'll be right back, brother. Peace. Peace to the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Ride, 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 ride. And we are back in the effing universe. One hour black power thinking. And uh, I'll let you continue where you left off, brother. Um, I think so. Uh, I think where I left off, I was talking about um, uh, the show that I was watching, um, Hip Hop Un Uncovered. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a brother from Detroit. And they call him Trick Trick. And mm -hmm. he basically um, created this thing called the No Fly Zone. And in, in this whole No Fly Zone thing that he created was, he was basically saying, you know, to um, producers... Uh, music producers that look you all can't come and bring your artists to this town to this city mm. and not respect or give homage to rappers in this city so you can't come here and make money and then take money out of this community and not bring anything back so he created this whole fly, no fly zone so he said if you're going to come here you're going to have to divulge in this community you're going to, you're going to have to invest in this community and so um, there was this there was this incident where I think the rapper um, uh, what was his name oh it's, uh, escapes me now but the guy who allegedly stole the name for oh Rick Ross so uh, Rick Ross was supposed was supposedly supposed to have a, a, a show um, in Detroit and he mm -hmm. basically prevented that show from happening 
And so a lot of people criticized him for, for doing uh, trick trick for doing that. But I have to say that I have to side, I have to side on the side of trick trick. And I respect where he was coming from in terms of community. Um, it, and just in watching that whole show um, and continuing to watch that whole show, um, I think that there's a level um, and, and there's a level of um, respect that needs to be shown to the streets that I think isn't shown to the streets, but I think it needs to be shown in a um, probably a positive manner. Um, and 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 I, I and I think the dilemma is is the dualism. And what I mean by the dualism is the dualism is there's more than one thing that happens, or there's two things that could be true at the same time, right? Meaning mm -hmm. that you could be um, you could be a great father, but that didn't mean that you didn't cheat on your wife, hmm. right? Dualism is, and, and, and I think dual, and so dualism, and and what I um, experience and what I know based on the work that I do is that people, people, um, individuals have a lot of dualisms in their life, meaning right. that like you could be a great coworker or a great boss, but doesn't mean that you're a great husband. Right. Right. And, and so, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm using that same term terminology with the streets. Right. And so, um, dualism sometimes happens, um, where, you know, in the streets, you are, you, you may do some bad, but you also may do some good. Hmm. And and it's conflicting because people don't, you, you know, people don't understand it. And, I, and it's weird because it's like, it, it happens across the board, right? Um, and what I mean by across the board is, there are a lot of Christian people, right? Mm -hmm. They go to church faithfully, pay their dues, but they still... Um, but they still do things that are unchristian <laughs> that they may not mention, you know, in mm. the Christian community. You know, there might be, there's, you, you know, plenty of preachers that, you know, preach every Sunday, you know, X, Y, and Z, but they cheat on their wives or they, you know, steal from the congregation or, you know, same way in Islam, you know, there are people that, um, probably pray five times a day, you know, do all that stuff, but um, still are hypocrites in terms of the way they eat. Mm. You know, you know, or, or other things that that the religion says that they're supposed to do. So again, so I started talking about dualism, you know, as it relates to the streets, because a lot of times people don't want to give credit to street people in dualism, and dualism in that they do some they do or have done something bad so they aren't forgiven for the bad things that they have done as opposed to the great things and the good things that they have done mm. and so you know and for me you know coming from you know uh coming from the streets um I, you know i i know that i've done a ton of bad things mm. right and i don't know that they outweigh the good things that i've done but i think that street people aren't given enough credit for the good things that they have done. And mm -hmm. I 
uh, want to take the opportunity to say to say to just in this section um, of this conversation that um, I hear you guys, I see you guys, you know, I'm one of you guys to a certain extent. And 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 and, and the credibility I want to give give to that is, you know, because I come from that, um, when the streets saw me trying to make a change, they embraced the change that I was trying to make. Mm. And and so when I was so when I decided to go to college, you know, and make a change in my life, when whenever I would come home to the streets, whether it was DC or South Carolina, um, probably more um, probably more DC than South Carolina, um, but they would they would say to me when something was about to go down, they would say, "Okay, bro, it's time for you to leave because." Because it's, it's, you know, something is about to, you know, things about to happen. You mm. probably don't need to be around. Right. Because they, they was respecting, you know, what I was trying to do. Right. And they was respecting me coming from that hood and, and, and the potential for me to be able to do something good as opposed to them understanding that they were probably going to always be there. Right. But the, but, but the love and respect that they had for me coming from where they had come from allowing me you know to still be respected there but allowing me you know the freedom to be able to get away from that and i always always respected that always will yes sir and 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 what and so again to go back to the credibility of the streets what i know about the credibility of the streets is that historically they've always done that for people and homies that wanted to break away from the streets and the homies that knew that they that they couldn't and wouldn't but for the homies that was trying to they allowed them to do that and and what i know in in most of those homie situations most of those homies historically have when they have saw potential in a young one they pushed that mm-hmm. and and i don't think they get i don't think street people get enough credit for pushing that, but when they see potential in the homies that come from where they come from, they a lot of people don't know how the street people push them, push those homies with the with those potentials, how they push them to do what they what they potentially have the potential to do. Yes, sir. I can tell from my own experience. Um, I was going to the high school of art and design, and no matter what type of foolishness is going on on the block um, or the enemies that we had on the surrounding blocks in those projects what my uh, older homies did was they said yo we see you with that big um, architecture's bag architect's bag and uh, we're proud of you and if anybody fucks with you going to school, you let us know. Yeah. So yeah. that there's always an element that uh, you may not understand, but you see them trying to have some sense of empowerment um, 
especially um, as we went to break, you spoke of economic empowerment. And um, I thought we'd expound on that, especially with the street credibility um, as one aspect of that. Because there's more than one side to a person or to an organization or to um, a mindset. And it doesn't always have to be militancy it doesn't always have to be gangsterism. It may just be as much gangsterism to be economically sound. Um, it has a power in the dollar. Yeah, so I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And and that's why I think that I spoke so um, maybe passionately or um over extensively about this whole um, stimulus check thing, whether mm-hmm. it was um, $1,400 or whether it was $600, but how we empower ourselves um, in terms of the Black community. Um, uh, you know, and, and the level of accountability. And that's why I think I started off by speaking about what Trick Trick had done in Detroit. And right. I think that um, you know, I, you and I have have disagreed. Um, uh, you know, in terms of um, your per- perception of what you have felt um, other nationalities have been able to do coming to this country, and how they have been empowered. Um, like I think you spoke of the Asian culture or the Chinese culture, mm-hmm. these other different cultures that have you felt like. Um, have been able to come here and be able to prosper mm-hmm. um, financially without voting or without um, bowing to the white power structure or whatever. And you felt like, <clears throat> you and I disagree in that you felt like um, that was kind of the model that black people needed to mimic in order to be successful. And I, I, I know I wholeheartedly disagree in terms of me even seeing those structures as um, powerful entities, um, but whether it was the, the, the Chinese or the Japanese or the Asians or whoever, um, in terms of seeing them as powerful entities. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I didn't see them as powerful entities then. I don't see them as powerful entities now, not at least in the United States. Mm-hmm. I think that they, um, I, I think they have some subcultures within the culture but those subcultures, are, in my opinion, are very small and minute. But I think in just watching this hip hop um, uh, uncover speaks volume to the black community and the power um, that the black community has in a subculture in and of itself. And I think it's not recognized enough. Um, we historically in this country have done some powerful things in terms of black Wall Street, in terms of black communities uh, historically. Um, you know, you know, in this country and what happened with Black Wall Street uh, and, and just in uh, uh, with Rosewood uh, in Florida, there's historically been um, powerful Black communities that have been destroyed um, by white people or by um, uh, racism. But we have had pockets of uh, Black black communities that have been powerful, 
um, you know, in, 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 you know, in, in this country. And I think that we, and, 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 and hip hop is probably um, the most uh, recent powerful culture that we have as a black community that has been ongoing, that we um, probably have been able to um, capitalize off the most and the fastest has probably been hip hop. I don't know anything else that um, has happened in terms of in terms of the black community that we have able to, been able to become millionaires like overnight. Um, the only thing I, I can think of is crack. <laughs> well, crack is a part of the hip hop community though, hmm. because because you gotta if you look at the time frame in which crack came about, crack and hip hop is simon is is almost simultaneously. Hmm. You know they they happen. At the same time, but the reason why hip hop was able to be as successful as it was was part part of the reason was because of the crack, the, because because of the crack era. Mm-hmm. Because what what happened with um, what or what happened with or what happened around the crack um, uh, uh, era is it was the same time that hip hop was popping off. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the reasons why hip hop was as successful as it was. Is because you black people didn't have banks during that time, and so because black people didn't have banks during that time, a lot of the funding for hip hop came from black drug dealers who were selling crack at the time. Hmm. You know, there's something that we could do with that fourteen hundred dollars stimulus. That's uh, political or at least economically more viable than um, giving it back to the um, businesses that take the money outside of our communities. Mm-hmm. Oh, Douglas is about to tell me about thinking black collectively again. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just... Um, Considering what the hell can we do with that fourteen hundred collected? Bro, I'm gonna, t- I, I, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and be pessimistic. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, and tell you that you ain't nothing you gonna say right now that's gonna make <laughs> not one Negro that's listening to this show or potentially will listen to this show <laughs> is going to buy in with whatever fourteen hundred dollars they get with no other Negro. <laughs> well, that's the power of this universe. <laughs> We can put ideas out there, and maybe in a hundred to five hundred years, they will manifest. Gone. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I was having a uh, conversation with my son um, today as as we were leaving the barbershop. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to the pandemic, we used to get a haircut every week, mm-hmm. but then when the pandemic happened, we started having to get a haircut every two weeks. Um, and so he and I were having a conversation about um, colleges um, that he would attend, mm. or potential colleges that he would attend. Oh, pretty and, due to a lot. <laughs> yeah, but but here's the thing: we had a conversation prior to where maybe I don't know it was a year ago, a year and a half ago, or two years, but. He said to me, he said that um, 
you know, when I turn 18, can I have the decision to go to college and not go to college? Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> and he said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be grown. I said, no, you won't. <laughs> and I said, and, and, and so he said, um, I think he used an analysis. He said something about um, some of his friends <laughs> and them saying um, whether or not they were going to go to college or not go to college. I said, well, here's a disadvantage, um, Khalid, my son, is that in my house, you don't have the, that decision. Mm-hmm. And I said, the reason why you don't have that decision is because it's not fair to me or your mom to have raised you for 17 or 18 years and then you tell us what you're not going to do. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't have that right. I said, because if we invest in education for you, if we invest in tutors, if we invest, you know, in private school, if we invest all these different investments, you can't come back to us and say, oh, I'm choosing not to do X, Y, Z. No, you don't get to do that. Hmm. And you don't get to make a decision about the rest of your life at 17 or 18. Right. You don't you you don't get the right to do that. And so he it, it was confusing to him because he was like, you know, you know, at the time we was having a conversation, he was like, well, I, I think I should be able to make that decision. <laughs> like, nah, bro, you don't get to make that decision. You know, mm. you, what it's you're going to do. you'll regret when you become into your own life. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so, <clears throat> um, so today, you know, in driving back, he was telling me we're talking about different colleges, and he was talking about um, um, conversation he had with his mom about why she decided to go to college and what college she decided to go to, and what the, um, what college I decided to go to and why I decided to go to the college. Mm-hmm. And it, what was was interesting is that's where his his mom and, and I met. We both met, you know, at South Carolina State University. Wow. And so, um, but we we didn't have a date at you know while we were in, while we were un, in undergrad. Mm-hmm. But the time frame in which we met, like his mom went to college right after high school. I spent four years in the street, <laughs> and then decided to go to college. Mm-hmm. So the average person that came out of high school was graduating from college during the time I was going. Wow. I was just going. So I was an adult. I was like 22 years old going to college where the average student was graduating at 21, 22. Right. You know, so I was already an adult male going to college and, you know, with these 17, 18 year old, you know, people. And I was explaining to him the difference in my mindset and his and his mom's mindset in terms of going to college. Mm-hmm. You know, and trying to um articulate to him um, your level of understanding, his level of understanding of the world where he is now at 17. Mm. Not not understanding, he's only understanding the world from a 17-year-old perspective. You can, and what I was saying to him and explaining to him is you only understand the world from 17 years of limited experience. Right. You don't even understand the world from my perspective. 
you know, of having lived 40 plus years of life. And I don't expect you to, but what I can, but what I am saying as a person who has lived those experiences is that I am saying to my son, you know, here's the bonus that you don't understand in life mm. is that I'm going to give you the bonus that I didn't, that I never had. Right. And if you don't appreciate it now, you'll appreciate it later. Exactly. And we are at the 22-minute mark on our second leg of this three-leg journey tonight into dark American uh, comedy, but it is a serious matter. And the topics are serious. Um... And we're just trying to think our way through this wet paper bag. Uh, We'll be right back for our last segment in just a moment. Peace to the universe.